church. Morning. Morning. So, was I right? How did your body land uh, this morning? Different than last Lord's Day? Um, was it different even than the Lord's, the last Lord's Day before that? I, I'm looking. I know at least two of, you, two of us. <laughs> I was going to say two of y'all, but um, that's not proper. Um, but I know um, that our, our bodies have landed differently. And that's okay. For reasons that we've talked about now two Sundays, um, that our bodies are part of a system that God created back in the book of Genesis that was very good. It was very good. It was very good, but not perfect. Mm -hmm. We know that uh, the earth and the things thereof are not meant to last forever. They're meant to be here only for a brief moment. And then at the second coming of Christ, um, they will be destroyed. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind again, um, we have, we are part of an imperfect system. And so today, you know, as we stand at the border of two worlds or two different laws, as we exist in two different, uh, laws, we, we obviously, our physical bodies are bound by, uh, the, the, the laws of physics, our spiritual selves are bound by the, the spiritual laws. And we find ourselves at the juxtaposition of both of those. So it's okay if your body landed today, maybe not in the same vigor, in the same spirit, the same energy, and I say spirit in quotes, but I guess the, a better way of saying it, the same vigor and energy mm -hmm. as it, it was last Lord's Day. It's important for us to understand that that's the reason why we worship spiritually. Yeah. That's the reason why the, the, the Bible says that God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If it were the other way, I tell you, our worship service would be topsy-turvy, mm -hmm. right? There'd be peaks and valleys, you know, it, it, you know, wind of chance, flip of a coin. And even if we aspire to maintain with our physical bodies a certain level of Again, vigor and energy. It would be we would have to manufacture that vigor and energy on those days where you know we're just not feeling our best. Mm -hmm. Maybe you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You got a crick in your neck. Um, maybe due to self-inflicted wounds, right? You, you didn't get to bed early enough, and and thus you're you're wake. You're here this morning a little sleep deprived. We'd be manufacturing. Our worship to God if it were solely in a physical sense but thanks be to God that we worship with our spirits or rather we utilize the Holy Spirit in order to communicate with our Father who also is a spirit if you have your Bibles this morning I if you can um, please turn to uh, Leviticus the 21st chapter And in Leviticus, the 21st chapter, it talks about the 
purity of the Levitical priests. And I, <clears throat> I want you, it's important to understand as we read through this uh, portions of this chapter to understand that God is not a respecter of persons. Mm -hmm. That's first and foremost. Um, and I'll explain, I will, as, as we go through this study, we'll look at the reason why God said what he said or, or um, made these requirements of Levitical priests in, in a few moments. But I just want to reference again um, that if you fall into any one of these categories, um, it's not that you are bad, it's not that God doesn't love you, or God it, it rather um, elevates others over another. Because again, God is not a respecter of persons. And you can find that in, in the scripture. Mm -hmm. um, so in Leviticus, the 21st chapter, and before I get there, um, I, I apologize. I, I meant to ask this question at the very beginning. So I'll ask it now. Um, your prayers to God, when you make, when you bow your head in prayer to God, mm -hmm. when are you most inclined to say prayers to God? And, and I'll, I'll give a couple scenarios here. Are, do you pray in the morning? Do you pray in the afternoon? Um, or in the evening? Um, do you pray during the summer months? Or do you pray during the winter months? Um, do you pray during the first of the month? And for those of you who are on a fixed income, you know what I'm saying? And, or do you pray at the end of the month? Are you most prayerful when you're feeling good? When you got a full belly? Um, when your car is full of gas? You just got a bonus? Um, or a raise? Or are you most prayerful uh, when you're hungry? When you're tired? When you're smelling dirty? When you ain't got no money? You don't know where your food is coming from? I say all that to say this, that um, as we talk about the subject again today, which is prayer, mm -hmm. um, just kind of in your own brain, do, do a self-assessment of when do I normally pray? If you pray at all. Amen. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I'm not passing judgment on anybody. I don't know what everyone does here. I guess I'm, I'm turning the mirror, putting the mirror in front of myself. Um, when I when we, when I when I ask these questions, but just for your own self benefit, when do you pray? It, it, looking at all the various scenarios, day, night, seasonal, um, bank account is full, bank account is lean, happy, set. So when we get into uh, Leviticus, the twenty first chapter, um, Moses um, at the behest of the Almighty God, the Lord, um, is establishing. A, a minimum standard for the holiness, the purity of Levitical priests. By the way, these Levitical priests, <clears throat> their job, their sole purpose in life is to administer to the spiritual needs of the Hebrews. What you'll notice here in the Old Testament, and I'll, and I'll have to, I was thinking about it while I was sitting in the pew, and I, and I wish I had thought about this like, 72 hours ago, I would have researched it. Um, but where do you find the first person praying to God? Think about that for a second. 
For all of you who maybe have read through the scripture front and back, upwards and downwards, when do you find the first example of someone praying to the Almighty God? I think that's a good question. I'll have to research that myself. But, uh, well, there's no but there. I guess to continue that train of thought, the Levitical priests, their job was to make intercessions to the Father on all of the nation, uh, the, the Hebrews, which uh, later became Israelites, which later became Jews. That was their purpose, to make intercessions, to pray to God on the behalf of the people. There were established throughout the year in which the Levitical priests would do this where they would go into the holiest of holies um, and make sacrifice or a, sac a sacrifice of atonement um, a sacrifice of, of praise or whatever the case may be um, to God on behalf of the people if a brother excuse me if a Hebrew needed something spiritually they didn't go to God I just want to highlight that. They did not go directly to God because there wasn't a mechanism for them to do that quite yet. The only mechanism available to the, for them to go to God was via the Levitical priests. Right. So I go back to the, the first question, which I don't have an answer to. Um, maybe we can all research that and text one another if we if you come up with the answers. When, is the, when does the Bible give an account of the first prayer? Um, so that's, that's a side topic. But for the Levitical priests, that was their sole function. And in Levitic, Leviticus, the 21st chapter, um, it again establishes minimum standards for these Levitical priests. And, and it reads in verse number one. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, There shall none be defiled for the dead among his people. But for his kin that is near unto him, that is, for his mother, and for his father, and for his son, and for his daughter, and for his brother, and for his sister or virgin that is nigh unto him, which hath had no husband, <clears throat> for he may be, for her may he be defiled. And, you know, again, if you look at what uh, the Lord is telling Moses to speak to the priests and the sons of Aaron, is that we all, that even in a family or in a group of people, it only takes one rotten apple to spoil the bunch. He goes on to say in verse number four, and he shall, and, but he shall not defile himself, being a chief man from among his people, to profane himself. They shall not make baldness upon their head, neither shall they shave off the corner of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. So they can't shave their head, they can't shave their beards, um, they can't make any piercings or any other lacerations in their flesh. You know, um, you know, one could take this to one extreme, right? That, you know, if you had a tattoo, you couldn't be a Levitical priest. 
um, right? Your, your head and your beard had to be um, intact in order to be a Levitical priest. Uh, continuing on in verse number 6. They shall be holy unto their God and not profane the name of their God. For the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God they do offer. Therefore, they shall be holy. And again, what uh, uh, the Lord is telling Moses is they need to be as holy as the sacrifice in which they're giving to God. They need to be perfect and purified um, as a sacrifice that they're making unto God. Uh, again, in verse number 7, they shall not take a wife that is a whore or profane. Ah, so there's some, there's some requirements of, of even their wife. You know, the Levitical priest had to be holy. We find here that the woman of the Levitical priest has to be holy. Neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband, for he is holy unto his God. Thou shalt sanctify him therefore, for he offereth the bread of thy, of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee, for I, the Lord, would sanctify you, am holy. And the list goes on and on. I mean, the, uh, there are other requirements about, you know, the, uh, the man can't, um, the Levitical priest uh, can't, it says in verse number 18, For whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach. Uh, a blind man, and this is these are physical blemishes, not you know skin blemishes. But Levitical priest cannot be a blind man or a lame man. He can't have a flat nose or or anything superfluous um, or out of the ordinary. Um, uh, the man can't be broken-footed or broken-handed or crooked-back or a dwarf or have the blemish in his eye or be scurvy or scabbed or have his stones broken. Talking about. Um, you know the the male parts, and again I, I I go back to what I stated before that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't value one over the other. But with respect to making intercession on behalf of the people, these Levitical priests had to meet certain parameters. You just read. It. They had to be physically in tune. I mean, physically, I wouldn't say they had to be uh, perfectly, have perfect bodies. Maybe that's, maybe that's not one. It, you know, it's not like a bodybuilder or anything along those lines. Again, God wasn't concerned with that. But he wanted these men to be as perfect and whole and complete and I'm using words that are synonymous with holy, as the sacrifice that was being given or being burnt on the altar. Now we could go through and we could look at um, the specifications of each sacrifice. And what you'll find here is that the same parameters of the sacrifice you'll see of the person who is rendering the sacrifice to God. Again, I just mentioned about prayer. Now, prayer, what is it? Some people say, um, you know, prayer is, is 
way. I, I'm, I'm trying to be respectful. Um, some people say that, that prayer is, is, is really more for us than it is for our communicate with God. Um, we, meaning when we pray to God, we are, uh, what do they say? We are participating in a heroistic. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm probably pronouncing that word correct, incorrectly, but what it means is, is that we are telling ourselves a story to make ourselves feel good. Mm -hmm. Meaning that prayer is just a form of self-therapy mm -hmm. for us and not really a communication with the Almighty God. You, you understand where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. You know, there are, you know they, they say that the Bible is full of Heroistics. And that's it, meaning that it is not divinely inspired, but it does have some good principles on how you could go about healing yourself, making your day better, having a, a rosier outlook on life. And some people say that about prayer. Now, if you look back at what we just read in the book of Leviticus, the 21st chapter, in light of the fact that the Levitical priests their sole function in life was to serve the spiritual needs of the people. Meaning if a, a man or a woman needed spiritual guidance, needed spiritual help, um, spiritual healing, whatever the case may be, they went to these men who had to be holy from top to bottom. Right. As as it was possible for a man to be holy at that time. Right. And they would go into the holiest and make intercession with God. They would speak with God. If you remember, um, at certain times of the year, God would descend in the form of a cloud, would descend down from the heavens and uh, make his abode in the holiest of holies. And it was only in the holiest of holies that the chief priest was able to enter into this place mm -hmm. and communicate with God. Mindful of the fact that no man has seen God and lived. Mindful of the fact that Aaron himself was jealous of Moses because God spoke to Moses as he spoke to as I'm speaking to you. Again, there was no structure at this time for prayer. So if back in those times, back in the, I guess in the Old Testament times, um, that was the way things were, um, then prayer should mean more to us than just a simple self-healing tool. If the communication that the Old Testament men and women had with God was through someone else who had to meet certain requirements of holiness, then our prayer, or the prayers that we make today with the Holy Ghost in mind, um, is equally as important, meaning the minimum standards of holiness and purity remain even in spite of the mechanism changing. So here's where I go with this. If you have your Bibles, um, turn to the... Uh, okay, everybody know where the Lord's Prayer is? Somebody somebody, grab that out to me real quick. Where's the Lord's Prayer? 
by John the sixth chapter. John the uh, sorry Matthew the sixth chapter. My apologies. Um, go to uh, Matthew the uh, sixth chapter, starting at verse number five. So if prayer prayer has to be more than a self-healing tool. Prayer has to be more than a chant. Prayer has to be more than a mm, prayer has to be more than, you know, saying kumbayas or whatever other, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, chant. I can't think of a, another word for that. Prayer is more than that. It has to be more than that for the following reasons. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, in verse number five, Jesus says these words. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as, as the hypocrites are. Mm -hmm. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. I, I go back to Philippians, the uh, fourth chapter, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is now the third Sunday of uh, we've looked at Philippians, the fourth chapter. And, and what does it say? Well, let's, I had it memorized, but again, uh, in my advanced stage, short-term memory loss is just part of the game. Um, but uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter, starting at uh, verse number six, it says, Be careful with no for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto. Are you sure, brother? I mean, when I go to college campuses and I see, you know, these prayer circles, it seems to me that they're they're praying with supplication and thanksgiving and making their request made known unto men. And I, again, I, I, I pass no judgment other than what the scripture, how the scripture judges. Um, I pass no other judgment than what Christ himself already judged, which is that when we pray, we are not to pray as hypocrites. We are not to stand in synagogues um, and, you know, pray with the prayer of those hypocrites, those Pharisees in the synagogues where... You know, they use seven-syllable words, uh, right? They, they have, like, uh, a paragraph to say one small thing, right? They dance around it. It's poetic. It's got uh, iambic pentameter, right? It's got a little backbeat to it. Everything rhymes. There's space for applause or an amen. All of those things that we imagine in our brains about, you know, what these men who pray in synagogues, they're praying in the synagogues for the benefit of themselves, for the benefit of the men, but not with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, making their requests made known unto God. Mm -hmm. That is not to say that we can't pray in public, but what it means is, is that we can't pray as hypocrites. Mm -hmm. Everything that I say in my prayer is directly to God. When I pray, on the behalf, when we all pray together, right, when a brother is leading a prayer, 
He is leading his prayer. He is speaking with the voice of his mouth. And more importantly, with, the, with his spiritual mouth directly to God. Amen. It goes on to say in uh, verse 7 of Philippians, the fourth chapter, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I go back to what Jesus says on, on prayer. He says, uh, um, They love to pray standing in synagogues in the corners, that they may be seen of them, that all the attention will be brought to them. Mm -hmm. When the attention really isn't to be brought to any one of us, the attention mm -hmm. should be placed solely on the person who we pray to, who we pray is hearing our prayer in the first place, which is the Almighty God. Mm -hmm. um, it goes on to say, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Mm -hmm. Again, I go back to the question, when do you pray? Okay, in day, night, in times of need, in times of want, and, you know, this has, ties into what we talked about last Lord's Day, right? But more importantly, where do you pray? How do you pray? It says, uh, verse number seven, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, mm -hmm. as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, mm, you know, these chants, these repetitives, these, you know, Virgin Marys, quote unquote. Um, I mean, even as a child, I'll turn the mirror in front of myself, you know, uh, before I pray for a meal, you, you guys remember that prayer? I don't know. Um, Dear God, heaven, oh boy, I can't even remember it now. But I used to rattle it off. As a matter of fact, I could say that prayer in five seconds. I actually used to say that prayer while I was eating. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you say a prayer before you eat? Why? I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm just asking an open-ended question. Why? Do you feel like you need to because it's tradition? Or do you feel like you need to because the food may be poison and you want God to bless it and nourish your heart, uh, your mind, your body? Uh, are you doing it in thanksgiving to God? Thank you, God, for this, this bountiful feast. Are you doing it because of peer pressure? Okay, now. We have all been to a Thanksgiving. I remember, and I'll, I'll, share, I'll share a story with you. I didn't feel like praying one night, and my sister snitched on me. She said, Dad, Thomas didn't bow his head in the prayer. I got in trouble. But then after I got in trouble, I said, but how did you know I wasn't praying if your eyes weren't open also? She got a whooping too. <laughs> so I, I digress. Do we do it out of peer pressure? Do we, do we do it out of politeness? You know, when somebody who maybe is not a member of the body of Christ and they pray, <coughs> quote unquote, and we'll, we'll get into that in a second because, you know, 
Well, I'll give you the verse now. God does not hear the prayers of sinners. Mm -hmm. So when somebody who is who is a sinner, as the Bible defines a sinner, not, not Thomas Garner, thank all glory be to God that I can recuse myself from, from that, from that uh, definition and from that argument altogether. I, I leave it solely with God. All glory be to Him. Um, but again, if, if, if a sinner is saying a prayer, what do you do? Do you bow your head and, I don't know, fake it out of respect? I, I, again, I'm, I'm not saying, uh, I'm just posing thoughts, questions, food for thought for you to think about as you go into this upcoming week about prayer. But what does, this, what does Jesus say? Mm -hmm. He says, but when you pray, don't use vain repetitions, which means that every prayer has to be authentic. Because God is a spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And I communicate to my spiritual father, the almighty God, I also have to pray with, the, with my spiritual self. Not my physical self, but my spiritual self. Mm -hmm. But it's important to note that it has to be authentic. This goes back to what I was what I was mentioning this morning about where does your body land today? Mm -hmm. It is okay if you're tired, if you're beaten down, but you're here nonetheless, and you are going to worship with your authentic self. God doesn't need manufactured worship. He doesn't need you to manufacture vigor and energy. It should already be there because we are worshiping with our spirits. And with our spirits, you know, as, as the scriptures tell us that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to God, was it authentic? It was extremely authentic. You know why it was authentic? Because that man prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane with tears as if blood were flowing from his face. That is the that is the personification of an authentic prayer. He understood where his physical body was, and he prayed to God, if this cup will pass for me, not as I will, but as thou will. His physical body was in torment, was in anguish. He didn't manufacture happiness. He didn't manufacture a smile, right? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the way that he was that day. And we come to worship the way that we are today. When he went back and he saw Peter, John, and James sleeping, what did he say? He said, watch and pray. But the body, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So, if you read here what uh, Jesus is saying about vain repetitions, is he's not asking for you to manufacture a certain type of emotion. He's not asking you to manufacture a certain type of feeling. What he's look, what God rather is looking for, is an authentic prayer.
from you, from your heart, which is the reason why he says, um, do not use vain repetitions, for they think they should be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what? What does your father know about you before you even speak? It says in verse number 8, For your father knoweth what things you have need of before you even go to him. Do you know that your father knows you so well that every hair on your body has been recorded by God? Every time you shed a hair, God is, okay, dabbing minus two or minus three, depending on, you know, how old you are, <laughs> right? But he is making an account. He knows every single hair on your body. His attentiveness to you, and, and, and talks about this here um, in the uh, book of Matthew, if you have, if you don't believe me, um, uh, where is it here? Ah, um, yeah, later on in Matthew, the sixth chapter, right? He says, uh, uh, you know, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore God shall clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven. How shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You know, when, when we go to God in prayer, not only does he want it to be authentic, right? But he understands that, or rather, when you go into the prayer, you need to understand that he already knows what you need. He already knows. He, he, he already has it in text. So let me ask you the question. If God already knows, then why do I pray in the first place? If God already knows what I need, why is there a prayer or a mechanism of communication directly to the Father? What is the purpose of prayer to begin with? And we'll look at it. Mm -hmm. So, what is the purpose of prayer? Now, people say that this is the Lord's prayer. Every football game, the uh, the running backs, and for those of you who play football, for other people, you know this, right? You know, we're warming up before the game. We go through our drills, catch some passes, do some juke drills, some blocking drills. We run a, a little, you know, some you know some uh, calisthenics to loosen up, and then before afterwards, all all the all the skill players we come together in a huddle, and one of the players recites the Lord's prayer. Is that a vain repetition? Is it authentic? Is it purposeful? Let's keep those in mind. So it says, uh, Jesus says in verse number 9, After this manner, after this manner, mm -hmm. therefore pray ye. And it's important to understand that verse number 8 mm -hmm. and verse number 9 are tied together. It says in verse number 8 again, mm -hmm. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Verse number 9, after this manner, therefore, after this manner, knowing what you know in verse number 8, 
This is how you should pray. Mm -hmm. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give props, as the young people say, mm -hmm. to God. Mm -hmm. Give God the glory first. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give him the glory and also give him the preeminence. And that's what Jesus said, is saying here. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done both in the physical and in the spiritual. Give us this day our daily bread. I've often wondered what, the, what our daily bread is. Well, think about it for a second. My, my study Bible has uh, Proverbs 30 and verse 8 as a, uh, as, a, uh, as a reference. But when I think of give us, our daily, give us this day our daily bread is to be thankful and content mm -hmm. with whatever measure God has given you that particular day. That is hugely important. For a multitude of reasons, I don't have time to jump into, in, into a lesson on contentment. But it's kind of along the lines of what we talked about last Lord's Day, about what Paul said. In, in everything, in every situation, he learned both to be in need and in want. But in, ultimately, he learned to be content, regardless of whatever state he found himself in. And Jesus is communicating this in this sample prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you. Give us whatever it is, God, that you feel is appropriate for me this day. Thank you so much for it. Mm -hmm. And forgive our debts mm -hmm. as we forgive our debtors. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God, for giving me Whatever it is that you bless me with. Thank you so much for this daily bread. Please forgive me, God. For those moments maybe where I haven't earned or been worthy of said daily bread. Mm -hmm. You know what it is to, 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 be, to, to have a debt? You ain't got it. So you go to the bank to, to get it. You take a loan out. That is what a debt is. I don't got it, but you do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I, I don't got it, but I need it. I promise that if you give me this back, I will give it to you in return with interest. That's a debt. When we receive our daily bread from God, we didn't, we, we didn't have it, but God gave it. We return it with what? With interest. But some of us don't return it with interest. Which is the reason why Jesus says, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, don't put us in spots where we may be tempted to the flesh. But lead us away from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Did you hear any, anything in this sample prayer? Anything.
about, God, please give me this. I'm talking about in a physical sense. Mm -hmm. God, I ain't got no money. Please bless me with money. God, I ain't got no woman. Please bless me with a woman. God, I ain't got no man. Please bless me with a man. God, I'd like to get in over here to this college. Please give me, please. Did you, did you, did we read anything that pertains personally to your physical needs in this sample prayer? And if you do, point it out to me because I don't see it. Other than the request of just give us, God, our daily bread. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of James. James, the fourth chapter. So, we, we have talked about we have talked about prayer mm -hmm. and how it needs to be authentic. And I, and, I, and I say authentic in the sense that it can be, it shouldn't be manufactured, it shouldn't be, you know, I've got to say all of these things in order to get to this. Um, Jesus' sample prayer was how long? I'm not, I'm not saying that prayers need to be short. I'm not saying that prayers need to be long. But prayers need to be authentic. They don't need the fluff. They don't need the filler. You need to say, make your request known unto God. Otherwise, what are you doing? I, I like what Brother People just said. Babylon. It's vain. It has no value. It does not. It is, it is lacking in purpose. I'll get back to the Levitical priest here in a second to tie in that concept. But um, prayer has to be authentic. It has to be real. It is absolutely okay to pray to God when you're sad. It is absolutely okay to pray to God when you're beaten down and you're tired. You don't have to put on, you don't have to be smiling. Jesus was not smiling in the Garden of Gethsemane. So therefore, it's okay to go to God in prayer as you are right now. Mm -hmm. That's what makes our worship real. Our worship is not a sideshow. Our worship is not a production. And our prayers are not a sideshow or a production. So in James, the fourth chapter, um, it says, uh, and I'm going to read from verse number one, because there is there is a whole lot here. Again, I've read this, brothers and sisters in Christ, many times. Read it many, many times. And brother people, I think, hit the nail on the head. Actually, I think it was brother Marzetti who hit the nail on the head. Um that every time you read it, it speaks to you differently. Mm -hmm. yes. It's like listening to a song that you've heard of many, many years, mm -hmm. and because of the circumstance, you focus on different words more than another. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. In James, the fourth chapter, in verse number one, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? You know, where, where does this... Um, where do these uh, struggles, these challenges amongst us come from? Mm -hmm. Come they not hence even 
of your lusts that war in your members? You know, the external challenges, these, these external um, uh, uh, moments of uh, wars and fightings. I'm, I'm struggling for words today. Um, but inner turmoil that we have outside of us, that we have maybe between one another, it's a manifestation of what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, it is just what's going on in here with me, what's going on in you with you, just spilling out into the open. That's an important thing to know. Ye lust, and verse number two, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. You know, boy, it goes to what we've talked about the last couple Sundays, right? That the imperfection of the physical system guarantees that you will have moments in your physical life where you'll go through moments where you want something that somebody else has. Where you're going to be hungry and somebody else is going to be full. I'm going to digress for 30 seconds. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it talks about, in the 11th chapter, we we, talk, we read it, um, starting at verse 23, about the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. Before that, Paul was admonishing the Corinthian church about eating mm -hmm. during worship. Why? Because people who are hungry were looking at people who had the food and like, man, when is he going to share? Look at that selfish person over there eating that fried chicken. No one, I'm sitting over here hungry, my stomach's gurgling, and they're not sharing their food. And what happens? In 1 Corinthians, we found that there were divisions in the church. Simply over food, brothers and sisters in Christ. Somebody had food, and another brother didn't have food. One was hungry, the other wasn't. And they were just sitting there smacking their lips in front of one another. Again, in verse number 2 of James, the fourth chapter, says, Ye lust and have not, colon, mm -hmm. ye kill, and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Colon, ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Mm -hmm. Verse number 3, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Mm -hmm. When you pray, what are you praying for? I'm just going to tell, tell you what I pray for. When I was a kid, think about this for a second. Brother and Sister Bill, great example. When they were up in the uh, I was going to say that the back country, bayou, or wherever, up in the, uh, uh, the mountains of Virginia. And I've been there. Brothers and sisters in Christ, wow. <laughs> right? It, it, I mean, talk about it being dark at night. They didn't have any street lights. When it's dark and there's not a full moon, yeah, it's dark. Unless you got a fire or a flashlight. I'm talking about darkness. I'm talking about woods. I'm talking about roaches this big and cicadas and... All those things. 
when you were growing up in Virginia and you didn't have a whole lot, did you feel like you had need for anything? No. It wasn't until you saw what the Joneses got over here in California. Right? It wasn't until you got out of the woods and, and went into the inner city or the suburbs and you were like, whoa, look at what all they have. Man, I was really poor back when I was a kid. And what do you pray for? You pray for what you see others have that you don't have. When I was a kid, I wasn't poor. It wasn't until I realized I was poor that I became poor. Yes. And when I realized that I was poor, when I and when I realized I was poor, that's when I prayed to God. Dear God in heaven, please, please bless me with, with wealth and prosperity because I, I hate being poor. Does that put some context in what Jesus said in his model prayer about give us this day our daily bread? You only pray for what you see others have that you don't have. When everybody around you is poor, in the same socioeconomic status, what do you pray about? Well, you pray about things that truly matter. I prayed, Susan, who broke her leg the other day in the hospital, I prayed, dear God, that, that she improves and that she gets better. You pray about what really matters. I pray for Grandma as she's dealing with some struggles in her life with alcoholism or drug abuse. I pray for, for that person or that person. Okay, I'm not talking about my grandma, but I'm, I'm using a model prayer. Amen. Bear with me here. <laughs> Sister Bill was like, what? I didn't know. Thank you for letting me know. Okay, I apologize, but I'm, when I'm, when I'm, uh, hopefully I'm highlighting is you're praying for the things that really matter. Because you've already gotten, you're content with your daily bread. You're content with what you got. You feel like your cup is full, your plate is full. You feel like you don't have any need for anything, but it's not until, you know, you get up there, you advance a little bit, right? You, you look in the parking lot and you're like, man, my car looks rather dumpy compared to this car and this car, right? Or you learn maybe your coworkers may be making 15 cents more an hour than you are, and you realize, man, I'm really struggling here. I know I'm belaboring the point. But look at what verse number three is saying. It's saying, you ask mm -hmm. and you don't receive. Why? Do you ask and not receive? Because you're asking the wrong for the wrong things and for the wrong reasons. That ye may consume it upon your lusts. And this is a man, if if God wasn't slapping me upside the face, or you know, really just laying on me, um, I don't know any other way for him to do because this is what he says: you adulterous. And adul adulterers and adulteresses. Wow. 
that that's hurtful. That, I mean, that really digs to me. If, if I'm asking for the wrong reasons, James writes here, and, 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 and God is communicating through his son James. He's calling us adulterers and adulteresses. So it's not just the men, but it's also the women. Equality. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is an enemy with God? So when you pray, are you trying to uh, be like those out in the world? Are you praying with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life? If you are, you're asking amiss. You're asking something from God that you will consume upon the altar of your lust. Mm -hmm. And this is the great segue to the Levitical priest. So Levitical priests had to meet minimum standards of holiness. Physically, they had to be perfect. Spiritually, they had to be holy. Mm -hmm. And when they went to the altar to pray on behalf of the people, they went there with one premise in mind. Okay, before I get to that point, before the Levitical priest could offer, let's say, a spiritual prayer or a spiritual sacrifice of atonement to God, what did they have to do for themselves? They had to, <laughs> they had to sanctify themselves yes. first. They had to burn make a sacrifice of atonement for themselves first before they could do that in turn for the people. Mm -hmm. Which is really the point, is that from the very beginning, the Levitical priest's purpose was to administer spiritual needs, spiritual requests unto God on behalf of other people and not themselves. Why? Because if you're making a prayer solely on the behalf of yourself, what are you doing? It's a vain prayer. Mm -hmm. Why is it a vain prayer? Because God already knows what you need before you ask it. So why ask for something that he already knows you need? In turn, do what Jesus said in his model prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we forgive those who as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation. Withdraw us from evil. I'm, I'm trying to remember this prayer in my head. Um, but what is he, what is what did Jesus himself pray for in the Garden of Gethsemane? He prayed for deliverance, yes, but he prayed for deliverance based on the will of the Father and not what he wanted. When you go to God in prayer and you're going through those moments, you're struggling with times, you should go to God in prayer in the same vein and the same thought and premise of mind. God, thank you so much for the state that I'm in right now. I pray, dear God, for the strength to overcome. I'm giving it over to you, God. Do as you will and not as I will. Mm 
In the name of the Father, in the, in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, amen. It goes on to say, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? The Spirit inside you does not lust or to, you know what, what's envy? Again, envy is looking at what other people have and wanting it. The Spirit doesn't care about what other people have. It doesn't lust to envy. So let the Spirit do its thing on your behalf. And pray for others first. Okay, maybe maybe I'm not I'm not hitting the point. Verse number six. But he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Mm -hmm. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And this is where I go back again to the Levitical priest. You can't go to God in prayer as a sinner, because he does not hear the prayers of sinners. So what do you have to do first? Well, you have to do exactly what the Levitical priests did before they went into the holiest of holies. That it purify and sanctify themselves first. So what does it say? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. How do you cleanse your hands? In a spiritual sense. Okay. First John. First chapter. And again, I... I know I'm losing some people because I'm going long, but I, I feel like, I, just let me, Sister Garner, bear with me here. You're giving me that look, I know. But let me let me complete the circle. I'll be very, very quick. First John, the first chapter, verses 5 through 7. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read all of it. Just jot it down on your notes. You can read it at your own leisure. But what does it say in verse number 7? But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. How are you cleansed from your sins? You are cleansed from your sins if you walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. In essence, you can cleanse yourself from all your sins if you're doing all the things that God has commanded you to do, all of the requirements that are necessary to be considered in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Right. Second Corinthians has a uh, speaks of another process called repentance. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into that. You can read it on your leisure. But what does it talk about? It says that godly sorrow mm -hmm. worketh repentance, which in turn worketh towards salvation. Mm -hmm. So I go back to James, the fourth chapter. It says, again, before you go to God in prayer, you got to have clean hands. What does it also say? It also says to purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Okay, double-minded. James, the first chapter. Double-mindedness is, mm -hmm. uh, is equals lacking in faith. 
Go back and read James, the first chapter. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Again, if you ask with a wavering faith, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you need to purify your hearts. What does it mean? You have to buy in, lock, stock, and barrel, that the prayer that you are about to deliver up to God, send up to God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, will actually be heard, and that God has the power to answer said prayer. If you have any doubt, then you're double-minded, and that prayer is as vain as a vain repetition. Mm -hmm. Again, you got to have clean hands. You have to have a single-minded faith in God. Nothing wavering before you go to God in prayer. Right. It's analogous to the Levitical priest. It's carried through to the New Testament Scripture, but is now not a physical thing, but a spiritual thing. And then I go to the, the, the last... Uh, the last scripture this morning and I will conclude post haste um, what was it first Timothy, first Timothy. the second chapter yes. so again what I was saying is is if you're walking in the light as Christ is in the light you'll have clean hands. Mm -hmm. If you are exercising your faith, and I'm not just saying it, but exercising, physically doing it, right? Then you won't be double-minded. Mm -hmm. So when you go to God in prayer, in, a, in, a, in an authentic prayer, after the model Jesus supports for us in Matthew the sixth chapter, God will answer that prayer. He has said, guaranteed, lock, stock, and barrel, whatever you ask for, I will give it. And guess what? I will give you more than what you asked for. Right. So when I go to, when you, or let me just say this, when I go to God in prayer, my prayer should not be focused on me and the things that I need in this physical body. Because God's already got that taken care of. And he knows what I need before I ask of it because he loves me enough. He just told us that if the lilies of the of the of the valley are so beautiful and he takes care of them without them doing anything, how much more is he gonna take care of us? Mm -hmm. We have the Holy Spirit which maketh intercession on our behalf with, with groanings <laughs> that cannot be understood. If you need something, it's already covered. As long as you're walking in the light. So this is what Paul charged Timothy to do with his prayers. First Timothy, the second chapter and verse 1. It says, I exhort therefore that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And I'm, I'm praying, not for me, I'm praying for all men. Mm -hmm. I mean, every supplication, prayer, intercession, giving of thanks should be on behalf of all men. 
for kings and for all that are in authority, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you may not like the president, but God put him in that position. So, you know, I don't like whomever is in office, but I'm going to pray for them nonetheless, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what God expects me to do for the reasons that we're just going to highlight here in a few moments or that's mentioned later on in this verse. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may, that we are praying for them so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You see how that works? Yes. Right? I am praying for the benefit of everyone in my community such that they're doing good, but also such that me, myself, and I can live, what does it say? A quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man. Not the baby. Not the newborn in the manger that the world is uber, just overly obsessed with. Mm -hmm. The man, Jesus Christ. Or excuse me, the man, Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. and, why, and why the man? Because as a man, he gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher... And an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, mm -hmm. lifting, up, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Mm -hmm. Just to summarize here, this is what prayer is. It is not a self-healing tool because right? I've got the Word of God mm -hmm. to guide me on my path to holiness. Do I need prayers? I want to, absolutely. I, you should be praying to God all the time for spiritual things. But all the things that have to do with your physical body, you're a child of God. That would be like reminding God to do His job as your father. I'm going to repeat that. That would be like going to God and reminding him, hey God, um, I don't mean any disrespect, but you're, you're, you're slacking in your job as being my father. So I've got a list of needs right here because you've obviously forgot about me. Here, take it. Mm -hmm. Slapping God. If my one of my kids did that, I'd say, okay, fine. Grandma and Grandpa's house is two doors down. You can go live in one of their spare bedrooms. Sign R. Right? I don't need, God doesn't need to be reminded of who he is and his responsibilities to his children. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need us reminded. Mm -hmm. But 
all we need to do with our prayers be authentic and focus our prayers on the needs of others. And if, it, if we have a need for ourselves, that prayer should be for our spiritual needs and nothing to do with our physical. We should be thankful and content with our daily bread and just be happy with that. Right. Sister Allison, do you remember us talking about this one day in your bedroom? Okay, I'm going to thoroughly embarrass her. She's, she's 16, so I figured this is my, my gift to her. <laughs> Allie Sue was having a rough, rough time. She was stressed out. And I'm not, I'm not, I am not highly intelligent. Um, I'm not a genius. There is nothing special about Thomas Garner. If Thomas Garner were a color, he'd probably be the color of this pew. Mm -hmm. I just a pewter, just a plain old Jane Brown. And I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. That puts a smile on my face. I'm good with it. But I, I say this story knowing, uh, just as a humble man. She was stressed out. She was looking at YouTube, right? Trying to unwind at 11.30 at night. Mm -hmm. I was like, kid, go to bed. Well, I gotta relax. Here's where the relaxation comes from. If, in fact, prayer is a self-healing tool, then I would encourage all of us to use prayer to heal ourselves by praying for the needs of others. Mm -hmm. Take the attention away from you and put it on somebody else. And after she said that, she, she started crying. We hugged it out. She went to bed. Now, I don't know about her, but <laughs> even for that, even that exercise for me was cleansing. It was like a peace enveloped me just simply by praying for others. I prayed for brother and sister Marzette. I think we prayed for Tiffany. I know we prayed for little Russ. Uh, I mean, not that uh, brother and sister Marzette, sister Tiffany or Russ are worse off than me. As a matter of fact, I'm worse off than they are. But my point is, is deflecting what I need towards what others need, the needs of others, it was calming. Mm -hmm. It was peaceful. Mm -hmm. Knowing full well that I have a faithful Father in Heaven who will always be there for me no matter what. Amen. No matter what. So as you go into this upcoming week, again, answer that question for yourself. Do that self-assessment. When do you pray? Mm -hmm. I guarantee, well, I don't want to guarantee because I can't. But I guess I would say a majority, I can't even say that, because I don't know what's in your heart. So I'll just say, Thomas Garner mostly prays for things that I need. I think I prayed the other day um, for, um, that's probably money, undoubtedly. <laughs> um, and maybe not specifically money, but maybe for resources to pay a bill. I can't recall. It, I'm almost certain it was one of those things, right? But if I'm living in the light and I'm in fellowship with Jesus Christ, I don't need to pray for those things because God has got me. He's got my back plus some. He's always done it. 
I've lived 42 years, brothers and sisters in Christ, and there is not one moment in my life where God has failed me. Mm -hmm. Not one. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. one. Mm -hmm. Even when Brother and Sister Marzette were in their horrific car accident, even in that, God did not fail them. Mm -hmm. Not once. Yes. Not once. Now, there have been moments where I have failed him, but there has been near a moment where he's failed me. Amen. And that's the beauty of our prayer as brothers and sisters in Christ. The beauty yes. of the prayers of those who are children of God. Yes. I don't know, it's putting goose flesh on the back of my neck. That's powerful. So when you yes. pray, yes. Scripture says pray without ceasing. Scripture says if you have if, if, if you are afflicted, where do you go? You go to the elders, mm -hmm. right? You, you go to your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you say, brothers and sisters in Christ, pray for me, mm -hmm. and I will pray for you. Right. Because what? The effectual, the fervent, excuse me, the effectual, fervent prayer, effectual. Yes. Me, you remember we talked about effect, affect, and effect? Yes. E effectual, meaning it will influence yes. the condition of someone else or influence the current state. The effectual, fervent, authentic, vigorous, energetic, maybe not physically, but certainly spiritually, right? The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous, the one who is in the life, who is in fellowship, who, I like it, who has his hands clean and his heart purified. Mm -hmm. What does it say? It availeth much. It's the power of prayer. So if you're here this morning and uh, you need a prayer, you come to the right place. Mm -hmm. Even if you're on the prayer line, um, prayer um, transcends time and space. So you don't need to be physically with us. You can be on the other side of the country, and we'll pray for you nonetheless. And it will still be as effectual as if you were here. If you need a prayer, these are the moments where you need to request a prayer of others. Because if you are a sinner and you are double-minded... You cannot pray on your own behalf because God does not hear it. Mm -hmm. You need the prayer of the righteous, those who have clean hands. That's the reason why the Levitical priests were in business. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why that was all they did, was because the people didn't have the physical, the mental, the spiritual makeup to pray on their own behalf, so they had to go to the Levitical priests to do it for them. You have come to a time and space on the first day of the week where you can unload, make any request under the sun for yourself. And your brothers and sisters in Christ will pray on your behalf that God will provide in accordance with His will. Amen. If you're not living as you should, if your hands are dirty, your heart isn't purified. You can begin the process of cleaning your hands and purifying your heart today by coming to God in the spirit of repentance and asking for His forgiveness. Mm -hmm.
That's where it starts. Um, I do want to say um, happy birthday to Sister Elizabeth. She's turning 18 today. Yes. She's in Indianapolis, Indiana mm -hmm. um, with uh, her FFA group. And I got to thinking about worry. I worry a lot. I think if if there's one thing that makes Heather and I perfect for each other is that we both worry. She worries about different things. I worry about other things. Together, we worry about all things. <laughs> it's a perfect match. But I'm learning yes. through the years yes. that I'm praying the wrong way and maybe praying for the wrong thing. If I have faith that my father has got me, if I have faith that my daughter is a child of God, right, and God is her father, why do I need to worry? Why do I need to be anxious? I, I, I don't need to be. All I need to do is give to God in prayer with the clean hands and a purified heart. And he'll take care of you. God has never failed me, and He's never, He will never fail any one of us. Amen. So the lesson is yours. If you have need for a prayer, we're going to stand and sing the song invitation, and the floor is yours.